0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss' The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 325. Kelvin nodded. I suggest 25 talents. Does that seem reasonable to you? The sum took my breath away. Even after I repaid stocks for materials and the workshop took its 40% commission, it was six times more than I'd earn working on deck lamps, an almost ridiculous amount of money. I began to agree enthusiastically. Then a thought occurred to me, though it pained me. I slowly shook my head. Honestly, Master Kelvin, I'd prefer to sell them more cheaply than that. He raised an eyebrow. They will pay it, he reassured me. I have seen people pay more for less useful things. I shrugged. Twenty-five talents is a lot of money, I said. Safety and peace of mind shouldn't only be available to those with heavy purses. I think eight would be a great plenty. Kilvin looked at me for a long moment, then nodded. As you say, eight talents. He ran his hand over the top of the arrow catch, almost petting it. However, as this is the first and only one in existence, I will pay you twenty-five for it. It will go in my personal collection. He cocked his head at me. Lin Satva? Lin, I said gratefully, feeling a great weight of anxiety lifting off my shoulders. Kilvin smiled and nodded toward the table. I would also like to examine the schema at my leisure. Would you like to make me a copy? For 25 talents, I said, smiling as I slid the paper across the table, you can have the original. Kilvin wrote me a receipt and left, clutching the arrow catch like a child with a new favorite toy. I hurried to stocks with my slip of paper. I had to settle my debt for materials, including the gold wire and silver ingots, but even after the workshop took its commission, I was left with almost 11 talents. I went through the remainder of the day grinning and whistling like an idiot. It is as they say, a heavy purse makes for a light heart. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This page is like the icing on the cake of this very satisfying chapter because... Quoth is rewarded for all his hard work and cleverness. Like, we want to see Quoth succeed, right? Like, we want to see Quoth win. And this looks like he's being handed a huge win. He'll make 25 talents every time one of these things gets sold? That's crazy. And then Kvothe, and Quoth is tempted by that. But... Well,
1: like, that's the amount
0: they would sell it for. Right, so he'd make 11 talents anytime they sold. It's an insane well, amount of money to him. Well,
1: after... That's if he made it. Oh, for... So f- how much... How much does he get?
0: He ma- he would make an insane amount of money. He would become rich is the point. And the point is he refuses to do that because it's wrong. He says, it's not right that this thing that I've made to help people should be sold to make me a profit and that only rich people could afford it. I will cut the price to one third of what Kilvin has said, less than a third of what Kilvin has said, in order to make it more affordable to ordinary people. Which means that yes. I, who am poor, will make less money and be less financially secure than I could be.
1: Yes, this is a a bit of real heroism and is up there with jumping into fire to save Fella, and is perhaps a more meaningful bit of heroism than that. Certainly in my book and certainly with like a Marxist reading, I find this a a greater selfless sacrifice uh, and and bit of heroism and makes me think much better of Quoth.
2: Yeah, as a reader, I like to like think that like when I read this, I'm like cheering in my brain. I'm like, yeah, you did the right thing.
0: Well, and it's like for me, it's a double cheer because I cheer when I think Quoth is going to make some money. I'm like yes, finally Quoth will be rich, he won't be in the trouble of being poor anymore. And then he does the thing that disadvantages him to advantage everybody else in the world and I go, "Yes, Quoth made the right choice, the choice that I probably wouldn't make." But he makes like the self-sacrificing choice that is like the morally right thing to do. And and Kilvin even tries to talk him out of it. Kilvin, who I think of as a pretty lawful, neutral kind of character, is like, no, you made the thing. You can charge whatever you want for it. Free market, baby. Like, he'll pay it.
1: Here's what I think is happening I don't think Kilvin is doing free market. I think Kilvin knows how poor Quoth is and is trying to offer him a way, like, he's trying to give him some money, um, which is why he then buys it from him for 25, because he yes. wants to give Quoth some money.
0: Yes, and that's the, like, the third cheer is, like, okay, Fultz still gets to make, like, a bit more money than he would otherwise make, because Kilden wants him to.
2: I was gonna say, it's just such a relief, like, to be like, oh, yes, like, he now doesn't have to worry about those things that we just talked about him worrying about, like, his debt to Debbie and all that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's why this chapter is so riveting, because there's such an emotional like the tension is so thick and the emotional payoff is so good and it's really just like a friendly conversation between a mentor and a mentee
0: but there are high stakes at play
2: which is wholesome and we all want that
1: yeah well this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole in the whole series you know because of that and it like feels so good at the end um something i just want to quickly point out that i forgot to talk about yesterday that i think bear is mentioning is that Quoth tosses, uh, tosses off in a line. The last thing I wanted was to get us to go up against the iron law. And in two or three chapters, very shortly, he uh, gets arrested and has to do his, his trial where he learns Temek. That's coming up very, very soon. So I think that's a bit of foreshadowing or a bit of a reminder that the iron law is a thing because it's about to be. Wow. I definitely don't remember that at all. Quoth gets arrested. Well, it's one of those things that is a big part of his legend that Kvothe goes, ah, the story is written somewhere else. Like we, it gets glossed over in the frame narrative.
0: Okay. So that would explain why I don't remember it.
1: Yeah. It's one of those fun. It's like the the pirate attack. It's something that uh, is a cool, heroic, dramatic sequence that Rothfuss intentionally doesn't show us. Mm. Like a whole courtroom drama gets, which would have been like a novel on its own, right? Just gets completely skipped,
0: which is great. I love that.
2: Hmm. I also totally forgot about that.
0: (laughs) I don't think I have too much to talk about on this page, except that we, we are like right along with Quoth in the sort of last section of this, of this page. uh, Because his like, it seems like finally he's not only is he like above water, but he's like not going to have to worry about money for a while because 11 talents, like he can pay off his debt to Debbie and his tuition next term and like it'll be okay. He's like got a little money in the bank. Mhm. The
1: last time we talked about the stocks commission, we ended up having a long conversation about the means of production, which I'm into. I don't mind relitigating that conversation. I just want to point out that it seems to me that 40% is a huge commission to take, even if, you know, even to account for the fact that they're using the equipment in the, in the artificery and have access to the stocks. They're already paying for those materials in the stocks. I feel like 40% is a very large commission.
0: Yeah, well, the boss makes the rules. It's true. But yes, it is It is a large commission. It is a large commission.
1: And this, we talked about this yesterday, but there's no mention of a royalty. So talk about being alienated from your labor. If you are the inventor, you have no claim, apparently, to this intellectual property. It just gets added to the list of things that any schmo with enough rank can make and start making money on.
0: Yeah. It's not clear. And maybe, maybe this will come up later and we've just forgotten, but I I guess I had the impression that because he invented this thing, like he owns the schema. And if someone uses the schema, they have to like pay a tithe to him, but I might be wrong about that.
1: That's the impression I have too. At the end of the book, he has no more money problems because the mayor is covering everything. And he sets up the scam with the bursar. So it's actually a non-issue whether or not he's making money from the arrow catch. But I certainly entered this chapter thinking that he made royalties and now I'm not so sure. Mm. So I could flip forward into the book and find out, but I prefer to
0: savor the suspense. Yeah, you can savor it right along with us, noble listener.
2: I also think that sort of our the book giving us space to ponder over it is on purpose. And I think that Rothfuss kind of wants us to think about it as readers. And that's why it remains sort of a question at this point in the book. I also think that the world that we like, what we already know about the world of the book, we can probably make the educated assumption that they're, they might not be doing the right thing. Like there are a lot of things that occur in the book that feel like maybe that's not the best thing for society. And I think this is just one of those things. It's not, Like, that's a large commission. Maybe that's not so great for society as a whole. And maybe that's just part of this world right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting that I don't think that intellectual property law, like, as a thing, was really a thing in, like, pre-modern times, you know? No, only
1: when they figured out how to profit off of it did it become a thing.
0: (laughs) Well, who and, like in a pre-modern society, like without a robust bureaucracy, who's going to keep track of, you know, someone bootlegging my, my song that I wrote, right? Like. Exactly. Well, what,
1: what I mean is that intellectual property law rarely benefits the artist. I mean.
2: uh, That could be depending on, on the art and at what point in history.
1: Yeah. Let me walk it back. Intellectual property. Uh, at, at its highest levels, like once you get into, you know, like we, we we're talking about Alan Dean Foster, intellectual property law is probably on the side of Disney, and that's why they're making the play. Obviously, that's not the intent of the law, but that's kind of like who the laws are built to protect is the the profiteers.
0: I mean, I, I don't think that that's a function of how the laws are written. I think that's a function of who can afford lawyers.
1: Well, there you go. And I mean, isn't that ultimately who the law protects then? Those who can afford lawyers?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, but what's the solution there? Like no one owns anything they create? I mean, maybe. No. As someone who wants to make his living as a writer, absolutely
1: not. (laughs) Wouldn't you rather live in the glorious Star Trek utopia where no one owns anything, but everyone has all their needs met and you can spend your time writing for the love of writing?
0: Yeah, but I don't want other people writing my characters without my permission. Isn't
1: that isn't that the sincerest form of flattery?
0: Uh, I
2: think that really depends on like who the artist is and what they're doing to those characters. Like what if it, what if a writer had a plan for a character and someone like jumps in before they have the chance to write it and sort of ruins that character for the audience? Right?
1: Well, then then it depends if you're thinking this fan fiction canon Are the Sherlock Holmes stories that weren't written by Doyle. Or did those actually happen to Holmes or is that fan fiction?
0: Well, I mean, that gets into a broader question, but like the point is artists should be able to make a living off of the art that they create. And no right argument now, here in the society we live that. in right now, the best way for that, like the mechanism that we have for that to happen is intellectual property law.
2: I would like, agree that's with the,
0: that. That's the only way. And like, I am sorry to say that most published writers who you see on the bookshelf and buy their books, they are not making a living off of their writing, and that's not because that's impossible, but that's because everyone else has taken a cut of what belongs to them. Yes. Yeah, I have no pithy
1: response. Uh, it's, only, <laughs> you know, it's just I'm with Jeremy yeah, no, we're
0: all with Jeremy on this. No okay. one's again. No one's on the other side of this issue. <laughs> Wonderful.
2: Good. I'm glad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nick says, ignoring the like red dot from the Disney sniper across the street.
1: <laughs> it's not. It's it's three red dots. Oh,
0: oh, it's a Disney predator because they own
1: Fox. Oh no! No, I mean it's a Mickey. I was getting at that it was a Mickey.
0: Oh, I guess he like kind a of three small dots. bottle
2: of alcohol. What is a Mickey?
0: No, Mickey the mouse.
2: Oh, oh, oh! Screen so- dots. I get it.
0: I'm putting my my crackpot tinfoil hat on because is it a coincidence that the Predators targeting reticule is three dots, much like the abstraction of Mickey Mouse is three dots? Was this all part of their plan all along?
1: Yes, uh, it is in fact cyclical. It is a time loop. We have right, a letter.
2: I'm going I'm to butt in because <laughs> I have one more note that actually has to do with the book. Oh,
1: right. I'm sorry, Jordana. You do usually have a note here, don't you?
2: <laughs> Before you two get into a tangent.
1: <laughs> Too late for that.
2: <laughs> All right. This was the end of a chapter. This chapter was called The Catch, which to me, having read the page that we just read, feels like the catch is that Kvothe has has caught this wonderful windfall of money from kilvin but i don't believe that is actually what the title is referring to
1: well it refers to the arrow catch at the highest level oh, yeah, right. there's also <laughs> so i'm as i like to i'm trying to reach for another meaning and there is the colloquial uh meaning of the catch where it's like the hidden condition and oh, right. i'm trying to think like what's the catch here you know like Quoth comes out of this with a win is there a catch so that we can be like we can have like a double pun with the title, because why not just call it The Arrow Catch? Why call it The Catch, I unless think there is a catch?
0: If I may, I think that on the small scale, the catch might be that Kilvin caught him out for filching materials from the stocks, which he must do penance for. That's The Catch.
2: I mm-hmm. posit... Oh, sorry. After you. I was going to say, I posit that The Catch could potentially also be that the The catch to him making something that Kilvin has approved and he gets to make money off of is that the right thing to do is to sell it for less money.
1: I think you have the right of it, Jordana. I think it's that you're approved, but the catch is that you have to pay it back. You have to pay back everything and do and be punished
2: mm. right, so it's I, like it's like if you took my theory and Jeremy's theory and mashed them together,
0: <laughs> yes, for once, I am on the fence
2: what.
0: And here am I sitting in Crackpot Town, going, "No, you fools! The catch is that this invention will be misused by bad people in the future somehow." Yes, yes. I don't actually believe. (laughs) I don't believe for a second, but I must represent the intellectual position of the the cracked pot people.
1: I'm picturing it like a big combine harvester that rolls along the ground, just like smashing the bones of the people who are nearby. It.
0: Good God, man!
1: Yeah, Yeah, we have a letter today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this letter is from Mike the Rogue, who writes uh, two things on page 302. One, puppets shutting down of Quoth's inquiry. Sometimes when an authority figure shuts down a subordinate, it's a challenge to see if the confidence and maturity are there to come back and hold one's own. While it seems pretty clear that Eldin was just trying to shut Quoth down in their early encounters, Puppet seems to be probing Quoth for the depth of his curiosity and convictions. Two, ends versus means. You're talking consequentialism, or teleology versus deontology here. The teleological approach you advocate is problematic because it allows ends to justify means. You need some degree of perfect knowledge. We can never know what would have happened if we had taken a different action, nor what the true consequences of our actions will be. That's the lesson of so many morality tales, from Kirk wanting to save Edith Keeler to Boromir thinking he could use the ring to save Gondor. Only with perfect knowledge could one make the case that an evil action will lead to more good than an alternative good action. Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. Signed, Mike the Rogue. This makes me think of the Kithaea. What has perfect vision of the future? The Kithaea. And what unerringly leads to evil actions? The Kithaea. Now, Let's get really crack putted here. What if the Cathaya is an emir and is trying to do evil for the greater good? Like, its its actions always have evil outcomes, but in the even farther distance, they have good outcomes. What then?
2: Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know.
1: But I do think it's interesting that we're talking about ends and means, and uh, Jeremy's taking the position that the ends justify the means, and I'm saying that they do not, but all of this is moot because we lack perfect vision. This is actually a resonant theme in the series, no? That is embodied perhaps in the Cathaya, a creature with perfect vision that plays with ends and means and motivations. I think it's funny that we are sort of dancing around this argument, then that argument is in fact at the core of the book. Good for us. And
0: thanks for pointing it out, Mike. I, I do want to make my position clear that I am not saying that the ends always justify the means. I'm saying that in some cases they do, depending on what the ends are and what the means are want to put that out there. And do if you do ahead.
1: evil in the pursuit of those ends and you fail to make those ends, have you just done evil? Yes. Then it was bad. Yeah.
0: It's only bad if you fail. If you if your ends are good and you succeed, then whatever you did to achieve those ends was also good. If you fail, then they were bad. Uh, I have no further
2: comments. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get into this again.
0: No, we don't. No, we don't.
2: But you know what? We do need like to do...
1: I, sorry, I just want to have a quick talk about puppet. Um, I did not read puppet as probing Quoth for more curiosity and convictions, but um, interesting that Quoth chose not to show the depth of his curiosity when usually he would.
0: Yeah, I also did not read that, but I think that that might be Quoth. You know, once bitten, twice shy. Quoth has his reach has exceeded his grasp before, and he's been burned for it. So now he's playing it safe when well, maybe he shouldn't indeed Jordana I feel like you had something terribly important to say
2: oh no I was just going to end the page (laughs) that's extremely
0: important I mean it is because
2: we need to get on to tomorrow tomorrow's what? page of Uh,
0: uh,
2: the uh wind (laughs)